You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past, the podcast that focuses on inspiring you to move forward from what's been holding you back in life. Each week, we talk with clinicians, coaches, mental health advocates, and those who've overcome tremendous odds and now use their journey to encourage you throughout yours. I'm Matt Pappas, Certified Coach and NLP Master Practitioner, alongside Joanne Suppressi, Author, Certified Coach, and Hypnotherapist. In addition to talking with amazing guests on the show, we share practical tips and insightful strategies that empower and encourage you to break free from anxiety, self-doubt, and the negative mindsets that keep you stuck. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Greetings, friend, and welcome back to the podcast. Before we get started, we want to take a second and just thank a couple of incredible organizations. INLP Center, offering a world-class online neurolinguistic programming and life coach training to people in over 70 countries. If you've ever considered becoming a coach, or you want more information on their programs, just head over to inlpcenter.org. And to Daily Recovery Support. Interactive daily group calls in a safe atmosphere for survivors of complex trauma, equipping you with the skills and information you can use every single day in your healing journey. Learn more about this affordable resource and get signed up at cptsdfoundation.org. Also, we're taking some time to evaluate the direction of Beyond Your Past Radio to make sure that we're bringing you the type of content you want to hear. We've created a short listener survey that you can take. It's only one to two minutes long. It's completely anonymous, and we would so appreciate it if you consider sharing your voice. You can find the survey at beyondyourpastradio.com forward slash listener survey. That's beyondyourpastradio.com forward slash listener survey. So today we're talking with trauma-informed certified coach Monique Coven. Monique's specialty as a recovery and resilience coach is working with clients who are dealing with chronic anxiety and CPTSD as a result of past trauma. She also has her own podcast, which I'll link in the show notes. During our chat, we're talking about what it looks like to heal from CPTSD, that's complex post-traumatic stress disorder, to not have the symptoms plaguing you every day, and what it looks like to no longer live in fear and apprehension of what's coming and the empowerment that comes with putting in the hard work of healing. Monique shares some of her own survivor story, including growing up in a home where she was never able to feel safe because of the abuse and how she coped and manifested her own safe space. You'll learn how as an adult and seemingly having the perfect life, she was continuously being dragged back in her past and she knew something had to change. We talk about finding balance in your life while going through therapy and after therapy and the importance of allowing yourself to go to the other side of the spectrum while healing in order to come back to the middle and find your own balance in who you are versus who you were in the past. We also discuss the importance of having someone witness and validate your survivor story and how sometimes all you need is just somebody to listen. All this and much more during our incredible chat with Monique Coven, starting right now. So, hey, Monique, welcome to Beyond Your Past. It's Matt and Joanne. How are you today? I'm great. It's such a pleasure to be here. It is an extreme honor for us to have you here. Um, you and I uh, connected online, uh, wow, several months ago, and then we got schedules uh, you know, kind of situated, and now uh, we're excited to have you on the show to talk about your coaching and some of your survivor story and the work you're doing and all of that good stuff. But before we do, if you want to take a second to say hello, that would be great. Well, hello. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, hi, Joanne. 
Hi, Monique. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So let's kind of jump in a little bit. And uh, Monique, if you just want to share a little bit about your uh, story. Sure. So I, uh, I grew up in a home that was very chaotic. So I come from very early childhood trauma. I guess you could say I was born into it because I didn't have an attitude. Uh, and so my mother was not a loving, attentive, caring uh, person, but rather she was somebody that I really feared. Uh, I saw her from a very early age physically abusing my brother. Uh, and she was really um, out of control. And so for a very small child, it's an extremely overwhelming experience and kind of hard to make sense of, you know, because your mother is your person. She's your go-to. And to be, to feel unsafe, uh, it means your whole world is unsafe. And uh, this is what I grew up with. And I, I had a dad who was kind of removed, and but I loved him because he was quiet, so he was safe. But then I guess he couldn't take it anymore. And so he he left when I was around nine or 10. And it was completely devastating to me because he was, you know, all I really put my hope in, I guess. And then um, the chaos and violence just escalated 20-fold after that. Um, I lived in constant fight and flight, feared for my life. Um, and it was also a time of adolescence when you're kind of trying to fit in with your friends. And well, you you know what that's like, you know, don't have a sense of self. And so I had to plaster on a smile so that I could get friends. And, and, and so I looked very happy on the outside, but I was dying inside and uh, hated to, to go home. But when you're that age, you really you know, grade seven uh, and onwards, it's like, I didn't know where to go and who to turn to. And I did try to get some help with some extended family. And this was very hard for me because they saw what was going on. And they kind of just, they, there was some talk of maybe having me live with them or something, but then they just, it was either too much for them, or they just looked the other way. So it was very, it was very, very hard. I felt completely isolated, completely alone. Um, I hated my life. I lived in fight and flight every day. I would go into like, you know, when when your body gets ready to go into to, to fight and flight, get ready to run, and I could I could just see myself in my room and then nowhere to go. So it's like your body's like, ah, nowhere to go. And this was every day for for a very, very, very long time. It was my entire childhood and then adolescence experience. So, so to say, I couldn't wait to grow up and create for myself a life where there would be a happy family. I would create everything that I didn't have. Security, love, um, you know, I, as I talk, I'm picturing like a white picket fence. I know many of us childhood survivors, we want that. And so we imagine that for ourselves. And, you know, I, I became a social worker and I had a fantastic, fulfilling job. But what I found was that 
while I married, uh, you know, a great guy and we created that family, I have beautiful twin daughters and everything on the outside looked exactly how I pictured it to be, you know, great job, beautiful family, great friends. And yet inside I was experiencing so much emotional turmoil and fear and fight and flight. And I didn't know what was going on. Like it, it didn't make any sense to me, but it felt very, very familiar. And that was the beginning of uh, understanding that, that I had CPTSD, though there were no words for it, that I had generalized anxiety uh, disorder and trying to live this normal life and yet feeling pulled back into my past. I'm sure your listeners can really relate to that. Oh, absolutely. Um, our listeners can relate to that. And I think even Matt and I can both relate okay. to that. We've, we've experienced, you know, those feelings as well. And definitely, uh, we know our listeners have. Um, so, you know, when you were a child, I mean, that was a very traumatic experience, you know, lifestyle that you had. Um, so I can imagine when you were, you know, I guess, would you ruin your safe space? When you were a child, is that sort of the one place maybe you felt safe? You know what? Yeah. It was. It wasn't. And even when I think about it now, and why that is, is because that's where I had all of the uh, panic attacks. Um, or I mean, I didn't have a name for it, but because that's where I went to. And yes, I would escape to, but that's where yeah. I was like I couldn't breathe. My heart was pounding out of my chest. <gasps> I thought I was going to pass out. I, I pictured myself wanting to go through the walls of that bedroom, but couldn't. So it, no. I felt stuck in it. No, I didn't feel safe anywhere. So I maybe, did you feel safe in your mindset, you know, thinking about the future? Was that sort of reprojecting safety into the future? Yeah, I, that, that's it. I kept a diary for all those years and I, I would talk about that, you know, that when I grow up, it's going to be like this. So yeah, I think I did. I, I, I had hope for the future. Yes. Oh, that is, that's a really great way to cope is, you know, writing a diary. Um, you know, a lot of survivors do write in diaries and it helps so much, you know, people who go through trauma. So it's incredible that, you know, you looked into the future uh, and, you know, envisioned this lifestyle and then you created this lifestyle. I, I know emotionally, you know, and mentally you're still suffering, but, you know, how did you find the strength and the courage and energy to be able to create that lifestyle what how are you able to be motivated to do that since you didn't have any training to do so that's that's so interesting I think there's a part of me that always knew that that, that that's the way that I lived was not that's not the way it's supposed to be and therefore I wanted that I, I really wanted to have peace in my life in my being um, and so because I thought that that's how you do it. You get married, you have a family, you you have a job you love. I just I just was moving towards that. I love that. That's like it says. It sounds like you had like this inner self love uh, inside yourself. Like this, you know, you wanted to be happy, and you had like some type of root of self love, you know, um, which mm. is huge. That's um, interesting, Joanne. I would not have seen it as self-love, but that's that probably is maybe another name for it because I actually felt a lot of hatred, though I wouldn't have 
thought so, really, but I felt a lot of self-hatred. But what I do recognize now what that was is what I believe all human beings have, and that is we have resilience. It's built into our system that's pushing us towards uh, wellness or or pushing us towards peace of mind. And I think that, uh, and, I, and I could see, I couldn't see it until after I, you know, because I'm recovered now, couldn't see it then, but I see it now that there was always that resilience, that wisdom that was guiding me towards something better. And even, you know, I tried over 15 different therapeutic modalities to recover. And that it's in itself, that wanting to get better, wanting to, you know, have a different experience of life. That is resilience. It's that we know that this is not, this is not how it's supposed to be. And so I believe every human being has that resilience within them. Yeah, I I agree completely. It's nice to see and hear stories of how people, you know, have practiced resilience and used and leaned on that resilience without even like consciously understanding it. You just mentioned that, you know, you have recovered and that's something that I was curious about. You know, can you explain that a little bit? Sure. Uh, yes, I, I can say that I've recovered. Uh, because I don't, I think that if I took a test today, not, I think I know if I took a test today for PTSD or CPTSD, well, they don't have tests for CPTSD. Um, but I did actually take the test, um, years, years back, maybe six years ago or five years ago. And it came back that I had it and I had it severe because of all the symptoms. My symptoms were very strong. They were very prominent. They interfered with my daily living. And if I were to take that test today, I would not have PTSDs because I don't have the symptoms. So what that looks like is that um, I don't have the flashbacks, which I had all the time. I don't have the triggering. Um, I don't. I don't actually think about my past, um, like my personal past, that much. Um, and I also don't have the the chronic anxiety because I was diagnosed first with um, with. Uh, generalized anxiety disorder. Uh, because sadly, at the time that I got diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, which was, I don't know, 20 years ago or something, when I sought out help, I went to a psychiatrist because I wanted to get real good help. And she got my history and everything. And she said, you have generalized anxiety disorder. She did not say I had PTSD. And that was because at that time, they didn't see childhood trauma, uh, that childhood trauma could cause PTSD. And they didn't, you know, PTSD was reserved for, you know, one-time events or uh, veterans. They didn't see that living in an environment, as I described, is much like living in a war and that you have these symptoms. And I described to that psychiatrist the symptoms, the triggering, the flashbacks, the, um, the disassociation, uh, all of that. And it was just, it was just because it wasn't, they weren't taught to recognize it at that time. It was just passed by, which was not helpful for me because it left me feeling, okay, I've got the diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder. I'll do what she recommends, which is take a pill and try CBT. Um, but all of the, 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 the PTSD symptoms were not touched. And that left me feeling very isolated thinking, what the heck is wrong with me that even, you know, professionals haven't been able to say, this is what you have. 
it leaves you feeling very, very um, isolated. And you start to think that maybe something's really wrong with me. I don't know if I've answered your question. I think I went a bit on a <laughs> tangent. <laughs> no, no, you actually did. And it kind of um, something was uh, popped into my head when you were talking. And that is, uh, you mentioned early on, you you knew you were struggling, but you didn't necessarily know that it was CPTSD. Um, and of course, uh, CPTSD wasn't really a thing for a long time. And of course, now we know it is. But and and you knew you had anxiety, and eventually found out it was it was generalized anxiety disorder. And so, I'm curious. Uh, and I ask this question quite a lot when I, on these podcasts. And that is, when you got the diagnosis, when you got an official name, so to speak. Um, for the things you were going through, you know, whether it was uh, complex PTSD or whether it was generalized anxiety disorder, did it help you or hinder you to be able to, um, as I sometimes say, put a label on it or to be able to call it something? You know, sometimes when people find out what they have, it can be really empowering because they're like, okay, I know what this is. I know I'm not alone. I can figure out what to do with it. And then other people, it can kind of go in the opposite direction when you get diagnosed with with complex trauma or anxiety disorders or whatever. Then then you kind of go the opposite direction for a while. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like which way it went for you. Oh, that's such a! I love the way you said that because I could see as you're speaking, I see two arrows going both ways. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Because I was as soon as I got the diagnosis. Well, for the for the generalized anxiety, I was you know okay, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, okay, so what do we do now? Here's a prescription. <laughs> I'm like, ah, you know, and 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 for the second one, I actually sought it out. I hired a professional um, psychiatrist, private, and a um, and a psychologist team, and and because my gut was telling me that's what I had. I had. I, I know I have this. And so when I got it, I was like very relieved because it was like I knew it. I knew it, and I felt good. But then now we're looking at the other direction. Then I grabbed it and I felt it became very, um, almost like I became enmeshed with it, that it was became me. And so I would say like, uh, if somebody would trigger me, I'd say, you know, watch out. That's my, I'm thinking about, you know, close family members. Um, you know, that's my, that's, that's my CPTSD or, 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 um, it's because my CPTSD and it, so I kind of found that I enmeshed very much with it. It became me. There wasn't a separation when actually how I see it is, is that, you know, these are experiences, terrible, terrible experiences that have happened, that they repeated, that they're conditioned deeply, deeply into us, obviously, um, but that it's not us. And that's the big thing I didn't realize at the beginning that I now see. It's not us feels like us because when we're experiencing the flashbacks and we're, you know, we're, woof, we're in it, but you know, there's that separation, which was super, super helpful for me. Yeah, it really is. And something you, you mentioned was so key and something that happens so often is you realize that, that you are diagnosed with something. And so you go from kind of one end to the spectrum of, I'm not feeling right. I know there's something going on. I'm not sure what it is to, oh my God, I'm way over here on the other side now. Now I know what it is. Now I'm going to research and I'm going to own this and I'm a survivor yeah. and I've got and I've got PTSD yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And so you're right. You do get kind of enmeshed with it and it becomes almost your entire identity. I mean, yeah. it did for me, right? Me like too. I was in therapy and I'm like, I am a survivor. That's all I do. I'm going to read it. I'm going to watch videos. I'm going to yeah. read books. Yeah. I'm going to tell people I'm a survivor, blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah. it, it was all that I was like, I, 
I went from being, and I, I tell the story often too, I went from being the football guy, the music guy, and the retro <laughs> guy to the I'm the survivor guy and there's nothing else. Yes, right. Exactly. And so I had to like, right. I had to go to both ends of the spectrum to kind of find my way back to the middle of, okay, yes, yeah. I'm a survivor, but I can still like my music. I can still like my art. I can still like my, whatever it is and finding a balance of, but I, I think it's important um, that, and almost dare I say almost necessary to, to kind of go to the other side to see what it's like. So you can kind of find your way to that middle ground of what being a survivor, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, you know, how it fits into your life without being your entire life. Yeah. And you know sense. what? Yeah. It totally does Matt. And I'll tell you why this is so important for us survivors. It's because when we've been, when we've uh, experienced childhood trauma and um, we lived this life where we were abused, whether it was sexually, physically, emotionally, all of the above, and it was chronic and it was ongoing and we didn't have a compassionate witness. We didn't have someone there that acknowledged us, that validated us, that, 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 that looked at us, you know, that, that, so it's so important. I believe it's a really big need to be able to, to, to say this happened to us. We're a survivor. This happened and get validation for that because we never, ever got it. And I think that that's why survivors now, you know, it's important that they have that experience of being validated, having a compassionate witness. Um, we know that it's, it's, we just know that we need that, that validation. No, I absolutely agree. We that witness matters greatly. I remember when I was younger, you know, I had no witnesses either for a long time. And then, you know, I met actually a social worker, which you know, I believe you are a social worker too. And she actually validated a lot of what I was going through. And I know that helped me personally, you know, to have somebody see me and what I was going through. So, you know, as a social worker, um, have you been able to help people um, in those ways, like be a witness to them or even in your own coaching career? A hundred percent. Because this is, to me, like, <laughs> it's number one. It's the most important thing is, is for somebody to know, not that you just see them, but that you see them, you know, that you see it all, that you see it. A person like I've had, I've had therapists in my past when I'm talking, they've yawned, they've yawned. You know, a person needs to know that they're really seen, that they're, that they, there's a space for them and that they are, um, that they're seen and heard, that they matter. And my last therapist that I had, she was a trauma therapist. I mean, I could see when she looked at me, she saw me and that did something to my heart um, that just, it just uh, really, it, it, I don't know, I want to say it kind of closed a door for a part that was for so many years wanted that. Um, So yes, my work with my clients always is uh, letting them be heard and seen. I'm going to incorporate the word love because it's a natural, it's just as human beings we love and um and just know that they're loved and that they care that that we that uh, they matter and um yeah and that what happened to them wasn't right one of the populations that i've worked with for a long time um in social work is holocaust survivors and um you know it's important for them to have had their i mean i've heard atrocities that you can't 
you can't even begin to imagine and um, allowing them to to share their story and to validate their experience to tell them it's you know that that just shouldn't have happened and that they are worthy has is is really healing yes you know while you're talking about all this thinking about your story and what you said about you know your past and the experiences you went through as a child you apparently were not seen nor heard. And you tried to be seen and heard several times through reaching out to your family members, you know, for help. But, you know, you didn't have that opportunity to be seen and heard. And now here you are listening and seeing people who need to be seen and heard. So, you know, I'm wondering how does that feel for you, you know, to be able to be that person that you were not able to have? I, I, I can get emotional now and I probably will, but I'm going to try not to. It's very, uh, it's, it's okay to be emotional. It's yeah. okay. It's, yeah. And I, and I, I can't explain it, but I just, it's, it's like you're giving them the greatest gift ever. And you're also, it's being spinned around on yourself because you didn't get that. And then you're, you know how important it was to have that and to be able to be that space for someone else and to know what they felt and what they're feeling and then to give them the, the gift of the gift of time and the gift of, of being seen and heard is there's just no words to describe it. I love what I do. It's an honor to be able to honor another human being's suffering. It's an honor. When you were talking about having a witness, so often, you know, as you mentioned, you know, when you were younger and, you know, survivors that you work with and ones that I work with and one that Joanne works with and, and, and really anybody who, who works with survivors, so often we hear that, you know, nobody would listen to me. Nobody could understand me. Nobody would hear me. Nobody would want to hear me or I was afraid to reach out, all these things. And so you go around for years and years growing up into, you know, an adolescent and a, TJ, a teenager and then a young adult and still nobody's able to hear your story. Um, and of course, the longer you keep it in, the harder it is to share. Um, but once you find, once you find that safe person, a therapist, a coach, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps a safe friend, when they can actually sit there and just, and just nod and agree and offer you a safe hug and, and just be like, I'm here to listen. I'm here to acknowledge. And that in and of itself, I think is one of the most powerful parts of healing from trauma is when somebody just is, sits there and they just say, I understand. I hear you. I acknowledge it. And, and, you know, they offer no judgment, right? And they, yeah. they just hear it. And when, when you have a witness to your story, you okay. suddenly, you suddenly feel like no matter how traumatic it was, no matter how difficult it was, no, how, no matter how much shame you are currently working through, it's not quite as bad a little bit. Like there's a little bit of a weight that's lifted and that can be an, an, an empowering first step into really taking your healing to, you know, kind of the next level or actually getting started in the first place. Yes. Oh, definitely. That's why I'm always talking about that compassionate witness because we didn't have it. We didn't have it. And so when you don't have it, you feel, you feel invisible. You feel unworthy. You feel like garbage because, Hey, you know, nobody even looked at you when you were suffering. Uh, you know, and and to have somebody, especially someone who gets it, just, uh, be with you in that, uh, and see you in that and, affirm you in that is, is like you said, it, it, it it takes away that weight that you've had. And you, you start to be able, in my opinion, and what I've seen is you start to start to feel a little bit 
you re-enter your body. You start to feel a little safer in your body because many of us have feel so disconnected from our body. Our body became our enemy for, for different reasons. In my case, because it was constantly causing me, you know, I would constantly go into the fight and flight. And so I was being like, you know, imagine your worst, scariest nightmare and then being frightened every single night. You, you think I'm going to enjoy being in that body? It's, it's, you know, so to, to, to help people start to feel safe in their body, that it's, that it was actually, it was actually only protecting them because that's our design is to protect us from danger. And, 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 you know, something happens with that. Yes, absolutely. You know, and, you know, this makes me think about what you were talking about earlier um, about having that resilience inside of us, Mm. you know, and this is something you really believe in. You believe that we were designed with that. How do you see that, you know, and how do you help other people see that? Well, you know, I I just look at, uh, first of all, how I see resilience. And again, I didn't, I didn't always see it. I I didn't see it at all. In fact, if you would talk to me before my recovery about resilience, I'd probably tune you out. I'd say resilience was for other people, but not me, because I I didn't know what it was and never thought I experienced it, but, or could have experienced it, but, but. For me, resilience, you know, all of our, all of um, creation has this resilience in them. You look at like, you know, trees and how, you know, their leaves fall down and then next season they're back on fresh new ones. You look at animals. I live in a very cold climate and so I can have squirrels, uh, you know, disappear in the winter, well, in the summer, and then I see a lot of them back. I mean, they're there in the winter, but come back. How do they know how to survive? How do they know where to get their food? Like, how do they keep warm? Well, they have this built-in design that kind of guides them to, to survival, to know how to survive. And we as human beings, we have the same thing as well. We have, we've, we've got built-in wisdom that, that guides us, that leads us to to survive and to thrive. And, and, and I didn't see that because I was so caught up in, you know, when we were talking about the identity and I was feeling my anxiety and it was my experience all the time because I was chronically anxious. And so I couldn't, I couldn't feel my resilience because I was really in that experience of anxiety and PTSD symptoms. But as they started to, to, to soften, I started to really feel my resilience. And, um, I started to see that there was life outside of that box and, uh, that so much potential was outside of that box. And, um, it was, it was very exciting. Um, but I, I see resilience and wisdom as kind of the same thing. I think that we're born with this wisdom to, to know what to do. Um, and I didn't know that before. But when our mind gets a little bit quieter, we sort we kind of know what to do. It's just it's just built in, and that gives me a lot of hope, you know, because I don't have to worry about the future because I know that I have what it takes to be able to handle what's going to come up. I never knew that before because my conditioning kept telling me, "Remember that? Remember that? Remember how you freaked out then? Remember how you panicked then?" So that's what I thought the future was going to be like. But now I understand that that was just repetitive, repetitive, repetitive memories coming up, conditioning, but it's not me. So much freedom, you know, out there for us. There is a ton of freedom and resilience is something that, you know, it's, it's very hard to connect with, especially early on. 
yes. when you, you know, when you, when you start working through your trauma story. And I, I can remember, I don't even know how many times sitting in a therapist's office and she's, you know, telling me about resilience and how, you know, the awareness is coming around and, mm-hmm. and how I'm seeing and, and And she's telling me all the stuff that she sees in me. And I'm like, I don't see any of it. I'm, I'm sitting. I'm like I'm struggling every day. I am like so 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 completely engulfed in this like traumatic history and doing all the the writing assignments and 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 talking about it and getting it all out of my head and trying to process it. That I see zero resilience, and so it took me I don't even know how long to really be able to start to see um, that that I was moving forward. And it took her repeatedly pointing it out to me. And in a very compassionate and non-judgmental way, just reminding me, you know, I see how far you come and, and encouraging me. And maybe you can talk about this for a little bit, encouraging, you know, when you, when you encourage clients to look back and see, do you remember six months ago, yeah. how, how you would come into a, like a session or, 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 or the office and you would just be so down and you had so many things on your mind. And now, you know, there's, there's a bit of a spring in your step. Now you're smiling a little bit more. Now you have all these skills. And I think being able to look back and see how far you've come really helps with resilience. Cause then it kind of becomes this like empowering freight train of just moving forward with more steam and more confidence that yes, man, you know, six months ago, everything sucked, but now it doesn't suck quite so much. And maybe six months from now, it'll be actually pretty good. Ah, that's so good, Matt. And I, I, I see that as little glimpses, you know, you, you start to get a little glimpse that, oh, yeah, you know, think this is what's, what could be possible for me. And like you said, you know, look where I was before and look where I look, look, you know, I've changed in this way. And, and sometimes we don't, we don't, it takes like more than six months to really, really see uh, even a little shift. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But but when we see those little shifts, and one of the things I've seen is when I've seen, when I, when I get an insight, it's like, I can never, ever see, I can't see things the old way again. Like I used to see myself as very, you know, I said a lot of self-hatred, uh, I didn't like myself and I don't, I, I do not, I like myself. Um, and that, that was something I could never even imagine. That was for other people, you know, but I, I wanted to, this, I don't even know if this if this fits in, but um, this is, this is very interesting. So in one of my attempts to get help, I tried something. And in this approach, they wanted me to imagine myself when I wasn't anxious. And that was part of the, um, that was part of the, I guess, activity or whatever we were doing at the moment. So I said, I can't. She's like, well, just imagine the time when you were, I said, I can't. I had no frame of reference. Like I never was not anxious. So I thought, <laughs> but um, it just goes to show you that, you know, like uh, now I have lots of examples, uh, but then I, I just, I couldn't, I could, I could not even imagine myself being not anxious, not being that way, except when I was sleeping, I used to say sleeping and eating ice cream. That's when I felt okay. <laughs> ice cream. Love ice cream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, it's yeah. Ice cream yeah. good. <laughs> Oh my God. Yes. Like, especially yeah. like uh, uh, coffee ice cream. Oh my God. I love coffee ice cream. Um, <laughs> chocolate, chocolate chip raspberry ice cream. Okay. Cookies and cream. Okay. Everybody now go out and get ice cream if you can. Cause that's what I'm going to do when this podcast is over. <laughs> but it is like, it's, it's, it's just so cool. Um, Monique, as we're talking about this, because you are right. Oftentimes when you work with 
with a coach or a therapist and they say, try to imagine either a time in your life when you weren't feeling this way or on the other side, trying to imagine what it might be like to not feel this way. Like if you have zero frame of reference, it can be incredibly difficult. And that's where, you know, kind of slowly taking it step by step, you know, as we're saying, and as you start to gain a little bit of momentum and start to gain a little bit of uh, perspective to be able to see, yeah, you know what, these last couple of days, I wasn't quite as anxious as I used to be, or I wasn't feeling quite so down. Now I have a frame of reference. Now I can take that and build on that rather than trying to go back to a childhood or, or being a teenager and try and say, okay, what does it feel like to not be anxious? And I'm like, hell, I have no idea. Right? Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Like, what does it feel like to look back and when you see your old self now, you know, when you see your old self, like, how do you feel about that person? It, you know, it's amazing. I never thought I could, could say that, but it, it just, it doesn't, it, I can remember her, but I don't have the feeling state. So I, I don't, I don't know. I, it, it, it just doesn't feel like me anymore at all. I remember her cause I lived it for so many decades, but yeah, yeah but she feels she feels like a different person, you know? Yeah, yeah, it sounds like you really did heal. You really did move forward, you know, and you moved beyond your past, which is, you know, what this show is all about. And you are such a great example for our, our listeners, you know, and I'm sure they're going to learn so much from listening to, to this podcast and listening to all the things you're saying. Uh, thank you, Joanne. I mean, for me, I think that that's one of the biggest things. Uh, I also have a podcast and I try to share because I try to share and I know Matt does the same thing. We want to share that there's hope because when you're in that experience of, you know, chronically, I used to call it Groundhog Day, same thing mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. You think it's going to be different. Boom. It's the same to share hope that yes, Things can change. You know, you can have a different experience of life, that there's hope. I always hear you talking, Matt, about hope. This yep. is what we, we, we need to hear. We didn't hear it back then. And uh, so, yeah, that's 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 what I'd really try to, sh to offer because I do believe that, that we can heal. Well, yeah, and I think hope is one of the biggest things that we – can really try and look forward to try and embrace because for so often we had no hope, you know, everything was hopeless. I'm yeah. going to be the same way. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, uh, you know, groundhog day, I'm never going to feel any better. I, you know, I, I told my therapist and coach years ago, I'm like, I'm never going to change. This is the way I am. Yep. It's who yep. I am, you know, and eventually over time. And again, you know, it's, it's not, there, there is no timetable cause we're all different, but you yeah. know, when you're, when you're committed to it and you work hard at it, and you are just sick and tired of being sick and tired as the old yeah. adage goes, right? Like eventually, if you keep plugging away at it, you're going to see results. And ultimately, that's the reason that that you start healing, right? That's the reason why you start yeah. questioning all the way you felt before, because you're like, I don't want to feel this way anymore. There's got yeah. to be something different, right? Yeah. Just, like, yeah. I mean, there has to be. Exactly. And that's why I say that trauma survivors are, they're the strongest people because they keep plugging away. They know that this is not how it's supposed to be. And they're, they, you know, they're, they're participating in groups. They're, they're, they're reading books. They're seeing a therapist or seeing a coach. They're, they're doing stuff to heal because they know that it's got to be, there's another way. There absolutely is another way. Monique, this has been awesome. We are so grateful that you came on uh, the podcast oh. today. Please let us know where where uh, you know we can find your podcast and your coaching work and um, anything else that you'd like to share here um, as we wrap this up. Oh, sure. 
So I have a podcast and it's called Freedom from CPTSD and Anxiety. And you can find that on any, you know, any, really any platform if you look it up. Uh, I also have a, a Facebook page, Monique Coven Coaching. I have um, uh, an Instagram account page that I participate on sometimes called um, cptsd.recovered.coach. And of course, there's my webpage, which is uh, com. Amazing. Thanks so much, Monique. This has been awesome. Uh, we definitely appreciate you coming on the show and, share, and sharing all of your wisdom. Oh, thank you both. I really, really enjoyed talking to you guys. Yeah, and thank we- you for joining us. It was a pleasure having you with us. Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should supersede the direction of a medical doctor or any mental health professional. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review. We would sure appreciate it. Also, please consider sharing this episode with someone who may find it helpful. If you would like more information on working with Matt as your coach, just head over to beyondyourpast.com and schedule your free one-hour chat. If you'd like to learn more about working with Joanne as your coach, please check out joannesuppressi.com and contact her for more information. We're always on the lookout for new guests. If you're interested in joining us on an upcoming episode, just head over to beyondyourpastradio.com and contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Talk to you soon.